Darkness podcast where we discuss and overanalyze the 1992 classic Army of Darkness. Previously on Minute of Darkness. It's the last minute of the movie. You don't know what's going on yet? Just stop and watch the movie. All right, you primitive screwheads, here are your hosts, Brad and Ryan. We are finally, finally at minute 75 of Army of Darkness. Ryan, how are you? It's crazy, man. I'm doing well. How are you? Ah, it's 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 bittersweet. It's bittersweet. We've we've come to the final minute of this podcast of this movie. Uh, geez, it's been so much fun. Thank you so much for doing this with me, man. Oh, uh, hey, man, the pleasure has been all mine. Thank you. It was a great experience. Thanks for having me. I had like the most fun, the most fun. It's uh, you know, it's been very cool. Uh, you know, we had a, a great guest yesterday. We had KJ Falensic, and it makes me think about. All the great guests we've had on this show and all the people that contributed. Um, your wife, Katie, has been so great uh, guesting twice uh, on two separate occasions for the show and also providing the Katie's questions. Um, Jarf doing his uh, the Jarf Tales segments that we've been running the last few Wednesdays. Uh, and then the great people from uh, Crystal Beth, the guys from Pele Media, people from uh, uh, Spinal Tap Minute and... Uh, uh, also for Mad Max Minute, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody. I'm going to make sure to tack on. I'm going to, we're going to do a big thank you to everyone who's contributed. All the amazing people that have uh, contributed uh, Ash descriptions that we run at the beginning of the episodes. And uh, the quotes that we have at the end of the episodes. Um, you know The work that uh, Sean and Beth Reynolds have done. Uh, recording our intros and uh, outros. It's it, it's been a great community effort, um, which is something that we're big believers in. Because uh, if it's just me, <laughs> if it was just me, this show would be terrible. If it was just me and Ryan, it would be pretty good because Ryan brings so much to the game. Um, but having a bunch of people involved has been really fantastic. Uh, oh, I guess we should also thank we've had uh, Amy Kennerup and Jason Moyle. Um, also uh, contributed uh, uh, different versions of the theme song as well as KJ Falencic. And uh, that's been... Yeah, it, it, those people just... Aside from the fact that it was really good, they also put themselves out there. And I'm always uh, wildly impressed by people who are willing to uh, allow them their talents to be on display. So a lot of people to thank for this for this show, and it's been so much fun. Oh, absolutely. It, it takes a village and, you know... Uh, had so many made so many friends along the way and uh you know like you said i mean we it was just us it wouldn't be like anything interesting you know so like we had a lot of great guests and um yeah no it's just uh it was really something special and uh i definitely have friends that are listening to the cast and 
they're definitely enjoying it. So it sounds like we're entertaining to listen to. So we got that going for us. Well, I, <laughs> I've, uh, I always listen to, as soon as the episodes come out, I listen to them. Here's the thing. We put the episodes out there Monday through Friday, but we usually put them out the night before. And I always try to make sure to listen to it right away in case there's anything that goes really bad or if there was some edit- editing glitch. I think there has been once where I had to pull an episode and retweak it and put it out. But when I've listened to it, I was like, wow, these, these are actually pretty good. Huh? And gosh, you know, Ryan, I've said it before. You've done such a great job on this show. And you bring so much, uh, so much to it, and uh, I've had such a great time doing this. And also, I, I think it deserves to be said, Ryan, you have a kick-ass radio voice. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And you know, I always was told that I had a face for radio too. <laughs> I never understood what that meant. Um, but you know, I worked tech support for um, a few years ago, and uh, I've, I've, I've since uh, advanced in the ranks of, uh, you know, the corporate. Um, overlord structure or whatever but i was told by customers even angry ones that uh, i should do something with my voice and uh, you know i you know i never knew what that meant so um this has been such a great experience and uh it's so much fun doing this with you and i've said it before we're gonna keep you in the cosmic geppetto family we're, we're gonna work out ways uh I know we've already talked to your beautiful wife, Katie. Uh, she's going to continue doing the Katie's questions on the flagship show. And everyone who's listening, uh, if you if you aren't already subscribed to the Cosmic Geppetto podcast, but you've enjoyed what we've doing, you really should uh, subscribe. We have a great time over there. It's still me uh, on every episode, pretty much. We're going to – Katie will be on. Ryan will, will be on. And we also have some just – some fantastic guests on there as well. It's, it's not as uh, – Army of Darkness centric, but we, we, we talk about all. If you love this, you're going to love a lot of the stuff we talk about over there. All right, so we're in minute 75 when we left. The, the, the new she bitch, Deadite, jumping off of trampolines, flying all over the place. Ash keeps firing at her, and pretty much as this minute picks up, she hits the ground dead. Uh, and it's pretty funny because I get the feeling that they cut something out because you don't really. She's screaming. She's jumping around. She doesn't seem like she's getting particularly hurt. And then, boom, she hits the floor dead. Uh, and I would just wonder, was that how this scene was designed? Or did they or did they sort of piece together this sequence? It's like, ah, just have her fall down and she's dead and we can, we can move on to the end. Because that's what people are really excited about at this point. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't a lot of gore. There wasn't a lot of limbs flying off. I mean, it, they, she was just, boom, down for the count. And um, at this point, um, in this minute, you can see where they were just done with this movie um you it, it kind of like it, it zooms in on ash he tears his <laughs> smart shirt off and he's wearing this like crazy civil war era long sleeve i don't even know what it is uh, or what you would call it but uh, his outfit is pretty crazy and i think the one part i can't take my eyes off of or the one actor is is Ramy's brother in the back and he's what is that look on his face because if i saw that after hearing that story i'd be like holy crap he wasn't he wasn't lying that was amazing but he's got this look on his face and he's like yeah yeah he's got the girl what a what a jerk i can't believe he did that (laughs) (laughs) jeez nice little bit of acting from ted Raimi going a complete different direction uh the thing that of course always distracts is he he does sort of a, a a outlaw get the pistol swing with a goddamn shotgun and then puts it in a holster that almost goes down to the floor yeah it's just not very combat effective at all and like it's, I, I don't even know what to say about that 
<laughs> I've never seen anything like that before in my life. It's like they, they had to special make that. They had to engineer that for this movie because that that doesn't exist. That does not exist. You can totally buy them, man. Um, but it's only because of this movie can you buy them. <laughs> we have a little bit of a voiceover of Ash saying how he could have been king. He could have stayed behind, but he is in his own way. He is king. And then just an awesome scene where the uh, the, the the young woman that was flirting with him, who was clad in a denim miniskirt because sure why not why not runs into his arms she's pressing her head against his chest and then he does the old dip uh says hail to the king baby and the movie ends on a kiss it's like wow he has completely become just a very very cheesy version of an action hero yep the cheesiest version that that money can buy you know in the early 90s i think It was just so cool and so fun. Uh, it was so ridiculous, as everything with this movie has been. And uh, it, completely leading into the crazy and tweaking the tropes, because you know the one thing you would see with action movies, and it was especially prevalent in the 90s, where you would have the, 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 male, the male lead, or the action star, would inevitably hook up with the damsel in distress that he saves, and it would always be really a reach. Um, I remember what was the I was a Brandon Lee fan and he did a, one of his first movies was called Rapid Fire and it was a terrible movie but it had Brandon Lee and more important it had Powers Booth as uh, like the good guy boss so and I love Powers Booth so it was you know cool for that but it was real funny where he's on the run for the cops at one point he, a, an attractive female cop has a gun on him he kicks the gun out of her hand and runs away and then later they have they share like four lines of dialogue and then they have sex and it's like wow that that sort of came out of nowhere right yeah i think that movie just came out of nowhere like we were like rapid fire we're like where the hell did that come from i just remember there was always a lot of action movies where it's like oh we have to have a sex scene and all right well just find the nearest attractive woman have them exchange three lines and just swell the music no one will notice and that's basically what they did here but because the movie's so ridiculous it makes complete sense it's like of course she's going to kiss ash of course she'll fall for the give me some sugar baby or or in this case the hail to the king because it's ash it works yeah exactly that ends the movie we have the end credits and uh, we're, we're not, ending on minute 75 is perfect because it's a Friday, and uh, it's a great way to end this show. But I did actually watch the credits, and there was just a couple of things I did notice that popped out at me. The first thing I found really interesting was, uh, and it's a weird little obsessive part of my brain where I know a lot of negotiation goes on with actors and their agents and movie studios on where you're billed in the end credits and the opening credits. And, of course, Bruce Campbell's the star of the movie, he gets top billing. It makes sense that uh, M. Beth Davids, as she was the she was the female lead, she was a love interest, so she gets second billing. What I found really interesting, and I don't know if you noticed this, who do you think, or did you notice who got billing after M. Beth Davids? So basically, who was at least according to the agents in the studio, the next biggest star of this film? Oh man, um, you know I don't even know. I don't even know if I I realize that. I mean, if it was the actor that did the blacksmith, then God bless America. But um, I I don't know uh, who who was it. It was Marcus Gilbert who played Arthur. Okay, well the jeans guy, the Levi jeans guy. Okay, sure, that makes sense, I guess. <laughs> I guess being the Levi's jeans guy is enough to get you third billing in this film. 
And then, oh, like, where was Ian Abercrombie? Was he, he wasn't after M. Beth Davids? He was, he was next after Arthur. <laughs> oh, God. That's, uh, you know, I thought the funniest part of this movie was the, the kiss at the end, but um, maybe I should have paid more attention to the end credits. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the the only other thing that, that, that while looking at the credits, one thing I noticed is we've been crediting the music to this film to Danny Elf. I was a little bit wrong about that. It was actually it was actually Joseph Laduca who did the music for the film, and I feel like I owe Mr. Laduca an apology because we we love the music. It turns out Danny Elfman provided a song, The March of the Dead. Crap, now I feel bad. But Laduca has worked with, he has a pretty nice IMDb page, um, and he's, I think, pretty, he, he was a, a Michigan local musician. He's worked on everything, starting with Evil Dead, the, the first film, and he's worked with uh, Sam Raimi in a lot of stuff. He, he worked on um, Hercules, uh, Xena, and um, Young Hercules and Jack of All Trades and Cleopatra 25-25, all these films, that, all these TV shows that uh, basically if there's a TV show involving Sam Raimi, uh, LaDuca is the guy who does the music for it. And he's still working right up now. He's doing the music for Ash vs. Evil Dead. Man, God, we really missed the boat on that one. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it was such an apology because the music is so great and I think it got thrown because they, Danny Elfman is involved with the music of this film but it's just the, the, the March of the, the March of the Dead uh, which is a great which is a great song it's sort of what, uh, what plays during the big battle sequence as the army of darkness is coming towards the castle but uh yeah it, 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 that that really surprised me I was like I can't believe I've this movie's been out for so long. I've watched it so many times, but this is the first time I've actually like paid attention to that. Well, yeah. I mean, like you know, crushing beers in my college dorm. I'm not going to take a look at who's doing the music or the cinematography or who you know the production company was. But you know, you grow to appreciate things when you get older. And you know, I for the longest time, even before this cast, I thought that Danny Elfman had done this music. And I know I've told like dozens of people, like, did you know? Uh, so uh, yeah, no, that's definitely a, a, a check yourself moment. And uh, um, I'm going to go ahead and correct myself uh, for sure. So um, the only other thing in the credits is we've talked before where they would um, they use the term fake shemps they actually listed the I think 20 or so actors who were listed as fake shemps for this film including another Raimi brother I think it's Ivan Raimi uh, who was listed as one of the fake shemps for this film wow now Ivan's name pops up here early on like first or second billing did you see that because I mean that was the first uh, I mean he's right there first bill actually with uh, written by Sam and Ivan yeah, he is um, has written a lot of the movies. He, he's sort of listed as IMDb as a writer. He co-wrote the Spider-Man films with Sam Raimi. You look at he wrote Drag Me to Hell, Darkman. I mean, he's he's the Raimi family is very talented, and they they work together. So it's um yeah, but he was also. Yeah, uh, in there as let me make sure. Yep, he's also was in the Christ as an actor as one of the fake chefs. So, I must have just been a thing. Is like uh, we need an extra, we need an extra extra here. Uh, Ivan, go 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 hop in. Yeah, just hop in there. You know. Which, by the way, if I were to, if if I were a screenwriter, I would desperately want that. It's like at least put me in a scene. If there's something creative that I'm associated with, where you're behind, where you're sort of behind the camera in any aspect, I, I want at least a little cameo. Yeah, I'm with you. 
you got to jump in there. So what else had you, uh, popped out at you f- uh, from this minute? Um, you know, just um, I, I love this ending. I know we've talked about it before. I love how they ended this movie. I think it was um, definitely it, it, it matched the kind of over the top goofy tone that the movie had set. Um, it wasn't out there. It didn't change gears. Like I think the original ending, the one that KJ had seen, which was freaking amazing that he that he saw that movie with that ending, by the way, and he had like no prior knowledge or experience with this movie. Just incredible. Um, it, to me, if I was watching it for the first time, I'd be like, whoa. That got kind of serious. That went a little dark. Like, I'm not laughing right now. But at this ending, you're like, that is exactly what I signed on for. Uh, it was, this, this is exactly what I come to expect of this movie. He got a girl at the end. Not the girl, just a girl. And, like, he, he's kicking ass. And, like, yes, I love it. More, please. And then it's it's done. Yeah, definitely. The, the original ending, that was the ending of the movie I think they were planning on making. This is the right movie for the. This is the right ending for the movie they made because it's it's basically like encapsulates it, it encapsulates the movie. It's like a it's like a four minute version of the movie. It's like okay, this is gonna be a four minute remake that takes place all in a supermarket. Go and it's everything's ramped up. It's sped up, but it is the movie that we just saw, and it, it's just a perfect cap on this film. Could have been a trailer. Oh yeah, that would have been awesome. It would have been awesome. And they don't do that. They're, they're not inventive enough with trailers anymore to. to for anyone to think to do a short film instead of just showing clips from the movie uh the closest i could see is they just released did you see um did you see the film logan in theaters oh yeah oh yeah they had that great deadpool short film at the beginning of it yeah yeah no that's right um we totally enjoyed um short film like we loved it yeah and it's great because it's a preview for the upcoming deadpool but none of the none of that will show up in the movie but it's just a way of like hey deadpool's gonna be back remember how much how funny he is this is an example of how funny it is but it gives nothing away from the movie exactly and and it should i in my opinion that's how more trailers should go that's that's what they should be like short films Anything else that you want to say before we before we uh, close up shop? This is going to be our last regular recording for a uh, minute of darkness. Uh, we might try to sneak in a little extra something if uh, I, I'm, I'm still trying to get a little bit of word out to, to get an interview. I try to interview Joseph DeLuca, but uh, pardon me, Joseph LaDuca, but we've ignored him this long. He's not going to want to talk to us. <laughs> like those assholes that think Danny Elfman did the music for <laughs> Army of Darkness. I'm not talking to them. <laughs> Uh, but uh, anything else that you, you want to say before we uh, put a cap on this? No, I, I got nothing else on this movie. All right, well, uh, we again, we appreciate everyone who's listened. Uh, we, we've had a lot of fun doing this. Uh, Ryan, this has been a great time. Thank you so much because this would not have happened without you. This, this has been great. Oh, man, uh, thanks for all your efforts. Like, you know, I, I really did all the heavy lifting, and, and I was along for the ride, and I learned a lot about uh, how these go, and uh, you did a fantastic job. So, you know, thanks for including uh, myself and, and even Katie. We, we had just a great time. All right, very good. Well, uh, I think this is it for, for Minute Darkness. Uh, Ryan, shall we wrap it up? Hail to the king, baby. Minute of Darkness was a collaborative effort. A lot of people behind the scenes worked to make the show you have enjoyed for 75 minutes. Ryan and I wanted to call out Heather and Katie for letting us outside to play once a week, Beth and Sean Reynolds for the awesome intros and outros, Jarf Harden for Jarf Tales, Jason Moyle, Amy Kennerup, Sean Reynolds, and KJ Valencic, who each made the MOD theme song their own, the Minute Makers and Listeners Facebook group, the Bruce Campbell Fan Club, 
everyone who suggested descriptions for Ash or AOD quotes, including Amanda Vasquez, Cody Dent, David Rose, Dino Lorenzo, Jason Sutterfield, Jen Christie, John Templin, Mark Donger, Nikki Vinoskri, Nikki Vinoskri, Nikki Vinoskri, man, I butchered her name so many times, Rick Ingham, Stefan Luciani, Sue Olson, Thomas Howarth, Tom Griffith. We also had amazing guests appear on MOD. We need to thank Kyla and Brady Crane from Pele Media, KJ Valencic, Katie, Thomas Howarth, Heidi Bennett, Rick and Julia Ingham, Jared Yui, Sean German, and Crystal Beth. We got a lot of love from Pele Media and Dueling Genre when trying to figure out how to do the minute-by-minute minute thing. They are great, and you should check them out. There are a lot of minute-by-minute minute podcasts, and that is thanks to Pete and Alex from Star Wars Minute, the granddaddy of them all. Big thanks to them for being such awesome trailblazers. Finally, I need to properly thank my brother in darkness, Ryan. He has been a hell of a partner, and the Minute of Darkness wouldn't be anything close to what it is without his knowledge, wit, and energy. I've been asked what is next. First off, the Cosmic Geppetto podcast is still coming out weekly. If you've enjoyed Minute of Darkness, I'm betting you'll also like The Mothership. If you need more minute-by-minute excitement in your life, there's something in the works for 2008. I'll give you a hint. Megatron must be stopped, no matter the cost. All right, let's wrap it up. Minute of Darkness is produced by Geppetto Studios. Find out more at CosmicGeppetto.com. Our email is minuteofdarkness at comcast.net. This is my boomstick. The 12-gauge double-barreled Remington, S-Mart's top of the line. You can find this in the sporting goods department. That's right, this sweet baby was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Retails for about $199.95. It's got a walnut stock, cobalt blue steel, and a hair trigger. That's right, shop smart, shop S-Mart. You got that?